What is up, Doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel Roll Show, where we discuss the best basketball team on the face of the planet, your Washington Wizards. It is November 6th. 2015, a Friday afternoon. This is your host, Adam McGinnis. Today with us, a special guest, Adi Joseph. Uh, covers the NBA in the league for multiple uh, publications. Now I believe he's with the Sporting News. Adi, what is up, man? Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to talking some Wizards with you. Uh, used to be in the D.C. area with USA Today, but now I'm in Charlotte with Sporting News. Sweet, yeah. Let's just uh, go right into it. Just how about just a little uh, intro yourself to the listeners, your your background. Uh, I know people listening to probably have read your work before. Just kind of let, let people know uh, what what uh, what's your story, man. Yeah, I I, uh, I have I grew up in New York. Loved the NBA when I was a kid. You know, uh, went to journalism school at the University of Maryland. Go uh, Terps. In Des Moines, then worked at USA Today doing NBA stuff, and I was kind of uh, way in the back seat there behind uh, Sam Amick and Jeff Zilgit. But now I'm the NBA editor at Sporting News, and I cover the Hornets quite a bit, and I cover the league as a whole. And you can read my stuff at SportingNews.com. So you should do that, or at least consider it. <laughs> I, I will definitely put some links in the show notes. Uh, follow you on Twitter, all that good stuff. So yeah, just a little bit. I, that's another reason I, I've met you covering the Wizards games. I know that you, you know, being in the D.C. area, what's what's the move uh, to Charlotte been like in, in, in looking at it, covering a kind of a different NBA team uh, than the Wizards? Well, you know, both those teams are, are very interesting. There's there's a lot less media here in Charlotte, which is, is nice um, for me. But the, the city of Charlotte mostly is just a whole lot cheaper than DC. That's, <laughs> that's the number one thing. It, it's, it's, uh, it's a really nice city for its size and its, uh, affordability. Yeah. I, I, I've covered a lot of Charlotte Wizards games in DC over the years. And I, I think one time, I think one time it was literally just me and, and the whole Bobcats. Uh, this is where yeah. the Bobcats were terrible and their B guy had left and there was no other media. And here I am, you know, writing yeah. for a Wizards blog, trying to talk to Kimball Walker about yeah. about about John Wall. It's it's a it's a different different experience. I think the only I don't know what's like. Uh, I think they have a couple TV guys, but really just one beat person, right? Right, right. Rick Bennell, and yes. he's very good, but like you said, he's he's a one one man show right now on the, on the full time Hornets beat. So it's definitely a different media world than than especially home games at DC. There's a crazy amount of media there. And uh, so, you know, that's one reason that I, I am covering Hornets games. And, you know, if certainly if you're a Hornets fan, I will be writing about the Hornets plenty regularly. So, <laughs> well, this isn't a Hornets podcast. So, it's a rival of the Hornets podcast. Correct. And as much as I love to trash on Michael Jordan, and, and we will table that conversation, we'll, we will get into uh, Mr. Michael Jordan. Uh, how much Wizards legend? Yeah, Wizards, uh, Wizards legend. Uh, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, terrible executive, awful human being. Uh, obviously, one of the best basketball players of all time. Uh, you know, ruined Call Me Brown, Trey Wade, Rip Hamilton. 
once again, I just said I'd table it and, and I, can't, I can't stop. But but I want to talk to you about, you know, we you yeah, you came to Wizards game, but you always were on the national beat uh, with the USA Today. And then also now as a national writer, like you said, at Sporting News, you know, being close to Charlotte, you get exposed to the teams because of who the Hornets are playing from a proximity standpoint. But you're covering the whole league. So I kind of yeah. want to get your takes on this NBA season where, God, what are we, is it a week and a half now? I think it's 10 days. Yeah. Uh, we're 10 days in, you know, about everyone's played, it looks like, you know, four to five games-ish uh, for the most part. What has been, just in general, the top storylines that you've seen as the NBA for the, you know, what you observed over the last 10 days? You know, the first one, I guess, is just that the Warriors are still exactly as good as they were last year, and maybe even arguably, although I won't, I don't, I don't think we need to go that far right now. Maybe better, and so all the thoughts that anyone might have had that you know DeAndre Jordan teams are going to figure out how to score on him, or or uh, the bench is going to become an issue. They haven't yet, certainly, and and the team just looks amazing. Steph Curry has taken another step forward seems like his whole career is just taking for steps forward. And um, right now they've been just ridiculous. And then, you know, another one that I, I, I certainly am, am I, very intrigued by is the quality of the Raptors on defense. And I think Toronto, and I know it, as a Wizards podcast, I thought it would be fun to, to bring yes, this up. Yes. They're, uh, they have a massive chip on their shoulder and, uh, to in an article for by uh, Sean Devaney, my writer at Sporting News, I'll, I'll read you the quote, but they are not happy about what happened last year. So I thought Wizards fans might enjoy this because uh, the, the quote was from DeMar DeRozan. It's, it's nobody wants to go out like we did. It sucks. It was a long summer, especially when we know we can beat a team like that. We beat them all season. We understand we were a better team than that, and that's something we have to got to play with the whole year. So they are not uh, they're not a happy team right now about how last the last two years ended, and they've really come out and looked good this year defensively, which was a problem for them last year. So five and zero Raptors, five and zero Warriors certainly have impressed me. Wow, the, the Raptors didn't include my Game of Thrones references when I was there for Game Four as a fan and swept them. And I said, "Sweep the North, bring in bring in John Snow for help." And about one in every five people uh, got that joke. Uh, and Wale with the championship belt, I, I feel that they're a little salty. I feel a little salt there from Rosen's words. That's a little, uh, <laughs> a little Clippers, Clippers Warrior saltiness. Yeah, what 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 has even your your take? I, I think the. It's almost been lost that with Steve Kerr, with the Warriors starting off so hot and, you know, killing the Grizzlies by 50 points, winning the other night against uh, the Clippers in a good game. Steph Curry just looking video game-like. I don't know how he's even, could we could argue that he's better. I mean, he, right now they're 5-0 and and point differential is 20 points, averaging 117 points a game. But the Kerr thing is, you know, Curry's had some medical issues and, and it's kind of been overlooked a little bit by how awesome the Warriors has been. Now, do you feel this whole Doc Rivers quote thing of them being lucky? Partly, sometimes Doc puts his foot in his mouth and sometimes I think things are taken out of context for motivation. Where, where, where do you fall on on that whole that whole thing? Is that just Draymond Green trying to motivate Kerr, trying to prod them? 
or was there is there still maybe some truth to what Doc said? Um, there's a little bit of everything in, in what Doc said, and I, I don't think Doc ever puts his foot in his mouth because I think Doc always knows exactly what he's saying. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I think he's very calculated. Yeah. So Doc was based. I mean, in in the the way that the Clippers want to portray it, um, the the people who don't want to antagonize is that Doc was saying they didn't have any bad breaks. Most teams, mo- most teams across the NBA have a bad break or two over the course of a season. The the Wizards, did, the Warriors did avoid having any bad breaks last season. They 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 were a very healthy team except for David Lee, and that one bad break early in the year actually helped them because it made Draymond Green the starting power forward. So, as a result of that, you know, I think he's right. The Warriors, things went right for them last year, and things might not go right for them this year. And they don't have a great bench, so if one of those key players gets injured, it could be bad for them. With that said, he also clearly, in my opinion, was trying to antagonize and get under the skins of these uh, of the Warriors and see how I think see how mentally tough they are because he knows especially when Chris Paul's your star when you've got a pretty veteran team I think Doc feels like his his roster is pretty mentally tough and you know especially adding Paul Pierce who you certainly Wizards fans are very well aware of how mentally tough Paul Pierce is Doc knew that he could be the one to throw stones and his team would react well to it and they played the Warriors really well on on Wednesday night, even though they lost. Yes, but they they almost they almost pulled out that win, which would have been crazy because it certainly seemed like the Warriors were running away with that game at times. Yeah, I, I think that you're. I guess I don't mean that Doc puts his foot in his mouth, but sometimes I hear it as he puts his foot in his mouth. Yeah. Like again, like like really, dude. Like you're saying this thing. Yeah, and he's really good media savvy. I think that's why a lot of media people actually like him. You know, when he was an analyst, I believe NBC maybe, in between maybe the Magic uh, in the Celtics job. I think that a lot of people, he has a very good, engaging personality. When he, you know, every time you interview with him, he gives you very thoughtful answers. So he, so he knows what he's doing in a manipulative way. I do find it funny. It's almost like the Patriots, where somehow the Patriots win the title. And after the NFL goes after Deflategate and goes after them, and then Brady gets off, that he's somehow the victim. And I'm like, the guy married the supermodel with all these all these rings and the defending champs is somehow the somehow the victim, you know. And somehow the Warriors are playing this chip on their shoulder when you know they're the defending champs and they're going for you know. I I think that that some we probably talked too too long about that one, but the other and other top storylines I think maybe will come into these different ones. With these two next categories, the biggest disappointment you've seen here in the first 10 days uh, from a player and from a team standpoint. Biggest disappointment. Biggest I'm sorry. Biggest, is there an act? You hear an act? Yeah, yeah. You're, you can keep going. The biggest disappointment that I've heard is a uh, that I've seen this season from a team perspective is probably – my worry is that the New Orleans Pelicans, they're 0-4. Two of those losses were against the Warriors. So it's really hard to hold them accountable for two two of those losses because that Warriors team is just so good. But on the other hand, the other two losses were to the Blazers, who are playing well, and the Magic, who are not playing well. And 
we saw with the Thunder last year that if you start the season poorly in the West, you might miss the playoffs. The Thunder started two uh, three and twelve and played really good basketball from that point on and still missed the playoffs because three and twelve is a hard thing to come back from and I think everyone in the NBA likes watching Anthony Davis play basketball, but the team is hurt right now and the defense has been terrible and Alvin Gentry is still trying to install his system offensively and the result has just been a really sloppy start to the season for the Pelicans and it, it, it could potentially cost them a playoff berth. So that's been really disappointing for me because, you know, they have such an interesting team and the supporting cast is not ideal, but it's good enough to be a playoff team, and it would be very strange to imagine the Pelicans not making the playoffs this year. But that that seems like a reality that, that we may be facing. And then as far, as far as players that have disappointed me, you know, with players, I tend to be even more sympathetic to a small sample size than... Five games, uh, five, six yeah, games. You know, you know, though, one guy who's been... Just he just looks off is is Joakim Noah. Uh, he's coming off the bench now, and I'm not sure he's too happy about that. He uh, he is not defending at the level that he used to. The Bulls have clearly steered their 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 game to a more offensive mindset, and you almost wonder if Noah just needs to be traded. Um, just to sort of he has an expiring contract. Wow. A, a, Trading Noah might might be the type of thing that sort of galvanizes him or puts him back in a system that makes sense for him because he's not giving the spacing. When you when you see Joakim Noah, he's a he's he's got the perimeter skills that he wants to be out there, but he can't hit a jump shot. Yeah. So no one gives him any respect when he is out on the perimeter. In Fred Hoiberg's offense, that's not going to work because he wants shooting and spacing and. I don't know that Noah fits what he wants offensively. And that's been really disappointing because we're, we're so recently removed from Joakim Noah yeah, second, finishing fifth in MVP voting. Yeah, I was going to say top top player like three years ago, right? And then we've kind of had the injuries over the last two seasons kind of dogged him a little bit. But when he did play, sometimes, I think two years ago against the Wizards, he wasn't his full self. And last year, I don't think he was 100% the whole season. But he still has something to give, right, if you can pace him. Yeah. And, and I think that you're right in the system, and I haven't watched as many Bulls games as, as you have, obviously, but, you know, Noah's strength has always been at that high post, right? Running running some picks around him, kind of going high-low, being a good pit, passing big man, and I don't know if that's really what Hoiberg wants to do unless you can hit the jump shot, right? Right. He, he wants some free-flowing offense, and a more free-flowing offense is going to require players like Nikola Miritich who can hit that shot, but Noah... Noah not being able to hit it. And then on top of that, Noah's best years offensively came in the period when Jimmy Butler hadn't emerged and Derrick Rose was hurt. And that meant that the ball had to go to someone and Noah could be that guy. Now they have players to run the offense through, and I'm not sure Noah's the ideal complement because he kind of needs the ball to be effective. And it's it's been sad because Noah's been one of my favorite players to watch for years because of his intensity, but he just looks sort of out of sorts right now. What have you seen out of the Rockets? I, mean, I think in this care, if you would look, I can you know I can look at the Nets who are winless or the Sixers are winless. 
or even the Magic Girl 1 and 4, but we didn't have much expect, expectations of them, right? Uh, so I think that when you look at disappointment, it has to be either, hey, these guys are going to be really good, they came off to a sluggish start, or they expected the team to compete and they look just as bad as they did last year. I think the Rockets and maybe, to a lesser extent, the Grizzlies uh, in the West, I mean, what have you seen out of those two teams from a national perspective of their struggles? Are, are these inherent flaws that potentially you see trouble, red flags, or is this, once again, is a smaller sample size? Well, the Rockets are really interesting because they're without some players that they need. Yeah. Uh, their power forwards, again, are injured this year. Terrence Ross and, and Terrence Jones and Donatus Matiunas. Uh, they're both very good players, and they've been hurt a little bit. Um, they also were just sort of figure. They're just now figuring out how to incorporate James Harden and Ty Lawson. But they won their last two games. The Thunder win was particularly impressive. I'm not at all worried about the, the Rockets moving forward, um, other than the inevitable Dwight injury, because that's going to happen. But the. The Grizzlies are a team that a lot of people were talking about last night because uh, Thursday night because the Blazers were blowing them out and it was weird and it is weird and they, they don't by, have anyone they lost by fifty in, and in twenty fifteen you know that's that's a sort of a, 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 a you know scarlet letter almost you don't have anyone who can shoot okay then you're not going to be a good team but the Grizzlies haven't had anyone who can shoot for the last five years and they've been. They figured it out that, that they've had decent offenses, even um, along with great defense. So, I fully believe that the Grizzlies will continue to be in that fifty-five to forty-five win range, make the playoffs, and probably cause some problems because in the playoffs, their style of play is it works a little better because everyone slows down a little bit and everything, you know, uh, comes down to one-on-one play a little bit more and. So I'm still I, I still have some confidence in the Grizzlies, but they do need to get their act together. They're three and three though, and it's so it's not the end of the world. They're three and three. They've got plenty of time. I'm not at all willing to uh, give up on the Grizzlies like some people are. It's it's curious because I think that you said that their offense has never been prolific, but it's always been serviceable, especially with a lack of outside shooting. But it looks like the culprit might be their defense. I mean, currently, yes. def- defense efficiency, they're 26th in the league, and, and that has not mm-hmm. been Memphis basketball at all. In a way, that's almost a good thing, though, right? That's you know, true, right? The, the biggest problem is something that we know that they're normally good at. That's so true. all they need to do is get back to their defense. Like, it's easier for them to play defense than it is for them to make a three-pointer. Yeah. Tony Allen to make a threes, right? <laughs> like You're asking something that he has never shown that he's done where – the point is, is that they've shown that they're able to play elite D, correct? Yeah. What? Um. How about surprise? What have you seen in the last two weeks? Uh, who surprised you, uh, team wise? Well, there's there, there's a lot of teams that have been um, good. Like like the Pistons, I kind of knew they'd be good. Yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of people have been surprised with the Pistons, but I kind of knew they'd be about as good as they have been. Um, I think that they're a playoff team this year. I thought that before the season, so I'm not gonna. I'm I'm not as surprised with them. The Blazers are very interesting, but the Blazers are mostly just hitting all their shots. So it's tough to you know the Blazers are four and two. They've beaten some good teams, and it still feels like it could all be a fluke because 
so much of that is how hot their their shooters have been, in particular uh, Lillard and, Mc, and McCollum. And it's possible that they continue that, but it's also possible that they regress back to, to the mean pretty quickly. So I guess Portland being even 4-2 and two is, is a bit of a surprise. They had a tough early schedule, and they didn't blow it. So good on them, and it'll be interesting to watch to see if they can stay relevant. Uh, and and uh, how about uh, players? Any surprise? Yeah. Um, Bad or good, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think I can call Kobe Bryant a surprise at this point. Well, we have to talk about Kobe. All right. Yeah, so, we we, we got to talk about Kobe, right? Because it's pretty been, sad. I mean, sad. isn't it's it sad? sad? But, you know, I everyone wants to. Going back to Wizards, Michael Jordan. Maybe this is where we talk yes, about Wizards, Michael yes. Jordan. Um, you know, everyone wants to see a guy retire in the Barry Sanders way of, of going out on the, at the highest moment of their career. But I don't mind a guy. It, look, for some reason, the Lakers are willing to pay Kobe Bryant $25 million to play this season. And they're willing to give him 30 minutes a game. So I don't really feel like I can hold him accountable for taking the money and the minutes. You know, I how how do you blame him for that? If they're going to give him those minutes, which they probably should be cutting down dramatically, I can't blame him for being willing to check into the game. He's just, they need to figure out what to do with him because that's not what he should be doing. He should not be playing that many minutes. He should not have the ball in his hands that often. That's He's not there right now. So I mean, he shouldn't, a, even, he shouldn't even shoot it, honestly. He should shoot yeah, less, right? More he, playmaking? He should be more playmaker, I think, than shooting. Yeah, and he's a good playmaker, but they want to they kind of turn D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson into that. So there's just not enough balls to go around with that that very offensive-heavy Lakers roster right now. The young guys uh, all need the ball, too. So it's a weird situation, and the Lakers are not a good team. That's that's the best way to put it. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because the other day on Twitter, there was – thrown around the other night when Kobe gosh like was it four bad air balls I mean a couple of against the Nuggets and a couple yeah. of them he was wide open you know I shared it on the social media you know you're kind of a little sad but then it's like you know hey no one gets to play basketball forever eventually you're not yeah. good anymore right and then people were throwing around like oh this is as bad as watching Michael Jordan and the Wizards and I was like well hold up real quick because I remember I watched those games. Was good, and 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 I finally got some pushback. And granted, there was no Twitter. This is 2002, 13 years ago. But I did watch all those games on both years. He took a terrible team and got hurt at the end, and maybe would have made the playoffs. And then the next year, if they don't trade Stackhouse for Hamilton, I argue they were probably another eight seed. He averages, I think, twenty and five, twenty six. 26 and 5, two years in a row. That's a lot different than we're seeing out of Kobe Bryant. I mean, Kobe Bryant right now, I mean, I'm not saying that we're going to give credit for Michael Jordan, and obviously it was no longer what he was, but he could compete. He just couldn't, you know, back to backs were tough. They got the Kwame Brown. Kobe's doing something way more similar to. uh... Patrick Ewing on the magic. Yes, right? That's right. the more similar comparison. Akeem, 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 like this guy has nothing left in him. Akeem Olajuwon on the, on the Raptors, maybe? Raptors, right? yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, that I was mean, sad. One of, the, one of the interesting things with, um, with, with MJ on the Wizards was he had – he was really not, like, washed up as much as you might think because – he had taken so much time off. That's true. Baseball. And as strange as that sounds, he, he had 
you know, he had retired twice. He had missed <laughs> five seasons, basically, that he could have been putting minutes on his body, but wasn't. So he was a little more fresh and, you know, understood his that his quickness was going a little bit. So he played more in the post. He's, he's such a smart player. He understood his limitations, which Kobe does not. And Kobe's body's more broken down. Mm-hmm. What do you, you know, to finish this Laker conversation off, what do you think happens here? How does this go out? I mean, does Kobe get injured? I don't see Kobe faking an injury. He's going to have to be really injured. Do the Lakers not play him? It seems that they're destined for 20 to 30 wins. It's probably in their best interest. Do they still owe that pick to the Suns? Or is that over? That's top three protected. Top three. Uh, Oh, God. They only get to keep it if they win a lottery (laughs) spot. So even if they have the worst record in the league, it's not safe. It's not safe. With that said, you know, they're, they're going to be somewhere near there. Regardless, and this is the funny part: playing Kobe is not does not mean you're going to win games. It's not like a lot of quote unquote we shouldn't play this guy like Carmelo last year. Yes, Carme- if Carmelo played a lot of games for the Knicks last year, they would have won a few more. They were much better with him on the court. Kobe's not like that. Kobe is is in a, in a way actively hurting the Lakers. So they don't have a uh, they don't have an impetus to say we can't afford to keep playing Kobe because we're going to win too much. If anything, it's we can't afford to keep playing Kobe because we need to get the ball into D'Angelo Russell's hands. We need to make sure Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle get their touches. So I don't think that there's a huge negative to playing Kobe while he's healthy, except let him play fewer minutes, let him have less of a role on offense, just so he doesn't embarrass himself and hurt your team. So it's going to end poorly, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is, I, I really do, I, watching him this year, I really start to believe that, yes, this is, in fact, Kobe Ryan's final season. Do you think that you could just see him walking away, or would it just be injuries? I mean, or, like, getting DMPs? I mean, how bad is this going to get? Like, I, Yeah, it's, I don't, I can't answer that. I don't know. Is it just too early Ryan, for us to? Or with is, that said, it's, it's just like, does He's not in a position where he's going to be able to help a team win right now. So, and he doesn't want to get traded. He's going. To, he's wants to play with the same franchise his whole career. That's the whole reason they paid him, and and they want to sell those expensive seats and all that. But for an organization, a franchise, like he really shouldn't play. But once again, I'm not a Lakers fan. Uh, I used to root for them growing up because I like Magic over Bird. But I am a I am a, a Wizards fan. So let's get let's get into them. Uh, the Wizards currently sit at at three and one. Uh, they play tonight. They play the Boston Celtics. I'm recording this on Friday afternoon. They play the Celtics tonight. They play uh, in the in Atlanta on Saturday night, a big game. And then uh, the Thunder, Kevin Durant, uh, comes to the phone booth on Tuesday night, the KD to DC homecoming, which we, of course, will have to touch on before this podcast ends. But going back to the Wizards, 3-1, and one, uh, a loss, a curious loss to the Knicks at home, two road wins over the Magic, uh, and uh, the Bucks. And then also uh, a thrilling home victory over the Spurs. I'm still elated. Before we go into that, how much have you seen of the Wizards? And what did you? How did you rank them? I'm sure you probably did some type of preseason rankings. Where did? How much have you seen of the the Wizards this year? And where did you kind of rank them uh, in your predictions for the season? Um, I've watched them. I've watched a couple of their games and uh, certainly been impressed. It's hard not to be. Uh, Bradley Beal is everything that I always thought he would be. Uh, you know, John Wall's continuing to do his thing. 
I had the Wizards. I was pretty optimistic. I put them into the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, hey. Ding, 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 ding. There we go. See, I knew so, I had you on for a reason. All right. Yeah. So, um, I was pretty optimistic about them coming in. I certainly bought into the, the, the move toward smaller lineup and rotation. I still worry about their big men, uh, the, 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 the front court rotation, and when it comes time to use them, you know, when Nene gets injured, and it's a when, not an if, and I know he's playing fewer minutes, and that should help, but when he gets injured, they're still relying a lot on Drew Gooden, and I, I it's it's still a bit baffling. And, uh, you know, Chris Humphreys has not been great in a starting role, so there's still definitely issues that I'd like to see them address, but I really, really, really like the Wall Beal backcourt, and I think Sessions has been really good, and Gary Neal has been okay. So they have a really good backcourt. Um, very few teams can match up with them uh, in that regard. And then Porter, Porter to me is the kind of guy you want on your team. He's just a, he fills all the gaps. He does all the little things. He works hard. He has you know almost no top side upside. But if you put him next to Kevin Durant, <laughs> yes, I casually drop in there. <laughs> if you put him next to Kevin Durant, he'd be pretty good. So, so anyone who listened to this podcast, kind of you know, at the, at the treadmill, walking <laughs> on the subway, all of a sudden they just did a quick little, uh, wow, did he just drop a, a KD uh, on a porter together uh, reference? <laughs> I got their attention <laughs> real quick. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with everything. So you said you had them against the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals? Yes, yes. I had them losing to the Cavs, but I did have them there. And how, what I do you... definitely see a scenario or two where I, I like them in the Heat in the playoffs a lot. I think both of those teams are good good, good teams with set playoff lineups. And John Wall proved a lot to me last year. Playing with that broken hand and having a really good game, uh, you know, just just coming out. And, and he's he wants to win, and he's the kind of guy who he has that personality, the, the head of the snake, as he always calls himself. And I have a lot of confidence in, in – the, the wall beal backcourt and particularly in their playoff mentality before we get into uh you awesome points are you sure you don't blog about the wizards because you make a lot of the same ones that uh that, that i make about this team watching them <laughs> over and over but before we get into the particulars of the team i want to kind of just look at the landscape of the east i mean we talked about the west a little bit of some of our things but you know you had you said you predicted them in the finals but let's just go down and you, you briefly mentioned the raptors but where do you see the – I mean, everyone has the Cavs at number one, right? Let's just put the Cavs at number one. And it seemed to me that two to five was kind of in flux. Did you see it the same way, two to five to two to six? And where do you kind of sort all those teams out from your preseason predictions? And maybe – I mean, obviously, you know, sample size 10 days, you don't want to completely readjust. But where do you kind of see – do you still feel like those two teams are in the mix? Or do you see the Bucks aren't – maybe not in the mix? And maybe you had them and maybe now you have the Pistons – a little bit up there as well. I think maybe I to really, me. I never really had the Bucks in that mix. Yeah, I didn't either. So, but. so I guess I feel good about that right now. Yeah. <laughs> but but on the other hand, they still have a lot of potential because Giannis has been great when he's played this year. With that said, um, yeah, there's there was definitely a feeling um, from me that the Hawks, Wizards, Bulls, Heat, and – I was sort of 50-50 on the Raptors, and I mostly just wanted yes. to see how Kyle Lowry would respond after, because he was so bad in the second half last year. 
But I was, I was sort of, I'm, I was interested in all of those teams. I see various reasons to like all those teams. I ultimately, amazingly, you know, I of the teams that I just named, the Raptors, the Hawks, the Wizards, the Bulls, and the Heat. I think Derrick Rose is the worst starting point guard on that team. On that group. <laughs> wow. And so, and and between that and the Noah stuff that I mentioned earlier, even though the Bulls are four and two. I'm I'm a, I'm worried about them. I think there's reason to, to be concerned about a few issues that Chicago has to has to answer. Did you uh, did you go to the Charlotte game the other night where they got blown I out? Did, I did. Yeah, and that's so, probably really coloring my negative. Correct. I mean, they got their asses stomped, right? I mean, it was a yeah, yeah. The the, the Hornets just ripped the Bulls apart. They scored 120 points and it was just in the most grotesque manner. It was Spencer Hawes taking guys off the dribble. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, Jeremy Lamb going nine for ten from the field, and they the the Bulls just looked like they didn't know what they were doing. But I've watched the Bulls win win a couple games this year, yeah. and they beat the Thunder so, last night, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And I've watched a couple of those Bulls wins, and there is reason to like them because they have a lot of talent. But right now, on today, I'm putting the Bulls a level below the Wizards, Raptors, Hawks, and Heat. Okay. Um, and I say that as because I think that the, those other teams know how to play together right now. And I think that they not only know how to play together, but they also all have better lead guards than Derrick Rose. But Rose is playing blind, so it, it, it could be <laughs> tough to read into it too much. Yeah, yeah I was with you. To, to me, it was the Hawks, the Wizards, uh, and the Bulls. I thought, I, I thought the Heat got a little bit more preseason hype and obviously I, it's hard for me to put the Raptors anywhere after the Wizards kick their ass uh, and, 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 I, and then I think that even after the strong start I mean they had a great win in uh, OKC, OKC the other night they're they're you know defending scoring they're 5-0 and but I think we saw them last year come to a really good start and they kind of wore down especially Kyle Lowry in the second half so you know how much can they keep that up I, I don't really believe in Dwayne Casey that much I don't know how improved their bench really is I think their Amer Johnson is maybe going to hurt them defensively. Now, obviously, I could be wrong, but you know, there's 77 games to be to be played. So, I, to me, the Hawks still have that system. You know, yeah, they lost Carroll, but, but they, they still have some. They still have the main core going there. Uh, you know, I think they have a good good coach. So even if they go down for I mean, they what won 60 games last year. I mean, say if they even won 55, right? I mean, they have a little yeah. dip. That's still a pretty damn good team. The Bulls obviously are talented, but with a new coach. Derrick Rose, what's happening? The Heat, to me, I thought got too... I'm not as high here. How about this? I'm just not as high on the Heat as you are. So tell me why you have the Heat uh, higher uh, up there or maybe one of the contenders uh, for that second to fifth spot. Home home court advantage in the first round, essentially, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I think that the Heat have a lot of reasons to uh, that I like them. But I'll say... I'll say this, mostly it's just top-level talent and experience. And you look at their roster from top to bottom, they have a lot of veterans. You know, even guys like Amari, who probably won't be able to do anything by the playoffs, um, is a good guy to have on the roster for a few reasons. But more than anything, I think what I like about them the most is that they now have enough talent to let Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and all of those guys be a little fresh. Because, bluntly, 
Goran Dragic wants that responsibility. And Hassan Whiteside wants that responsibility. And Justice Winslow has been pretty good. He's, he's looked like he's uh, somewhat ready to contribute. So I think they now have enough. What they didn't have last year was any ability to keep those. They didn't even have that two years ago when LeBron was still on the team. They, they didn't have a good way to keep their other stars fresh. And now they have a little more talent on their roster, a little more depth. Josh McRoberts will eventually be good again, I think. So that's why I'm convinced that the Heat are pretty good and, and could be a dangerous team to run up against. Because we've all seen Dwayne Wade, even in recent years, just completely take over a game at times. And he may not be able to do that every game, but if he's fresh for the playoffs, he's going to be a guy that you do not want to play. How, how, what did you, I know you mentioned the Pistons earlier and Stan Van Gundy. I mean, maybe a player we should have said as, I don't know about surprise, but Andre, mother effing Drummond. Jeez Louise. I mean, I mean, he goes for what, 29, I mean, these stat lines he's putting up are like video game kind of stuff. I mean, is it just Stan Van Gundy, Dwight Howard ish? I mean, I know Brandon Jennings is still maybe a couple of months from coming back. I'd be interested to see how him and Reggie Jackson kind of mesh. I'm not as high on Reggie Jackson as, as some people are, I thought he maybe could have been a little bit better at Thunder, but you know, Stan Van Gunny has proven when he has his players in his system that he's a pretty damn good coach in this league. Are we just giving Stan Van Gunny a little bit uh, that credit for his past success, and we see maybe yeah. something special going with Detroit? I know they played a lot better last year when they finally you know got rid of Josh Smith, and and maybe they're going to play a little bit better without Greg Monroe as well uh, from a defensive standpoint. It seems that maybe he finally has a little bit better of a mesh of a team. Uh, that he wants, even though I don't think that they're, I think that there may be a six or seven seed in, yeah. in the playoffs at best. Yeah, and I think that too. I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to make the bottom tier of the playoffs. I think Drummond is a very, very real hybrid of DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard, and he's a lot closer to Dwight than he is DeAndre on that scale. Um he is an amazing rebounder, especially an amazing offensive rebounder. Oh. And it's not – I mean, you want to hear how I'm not a Wizards blogger? I think that Andre Drummond is the second best player from the 2012 draft. <laughs> I think uh, he, I'd put him above Lillard and I'd put him above Beal. And I like all three of all, all three of those guys a lot. But, you know, to me, Drummond is still figuring – out how good he can be and the answer to that is scary good he can be what he has been this season and uh he's also only 22 so that that only makes it even more uh, uh remarkable but this this team does have a major major problem which is the bench their bench is awful and it has been awful <laughs> and it almost seems i mean there was a stat the, the their one loss this season was to the Pacers on Tuesday, and Dr- Drummond was plus eight in a team in a law in a game that the team lost by twelve. Which that happens sometimes, you know. Here's the thing: Drummond played forty three minutes, and he was plus eight, and his team lost by twelve. So that's like a pretty much completely unacceptable thing. Their bench is going is going to hurt them because Drummond's playing 39 minutes a game right now, and that can't continue. You can't ask that much from a big guy. So I'm hedging on the on the, the Pistons because their bench is so bad, 
still think they'll they'll probably eke out a seven or eight seed. How did Andre Drummond go nine in the draft? <laughs> you know, he, he had uh, people were a little worried because he he's underwhelming. He had an underwhelming year at Connecticut, no doubt about yeah, that. Right? He, but here's the here's the funny thing is he should have still been in high school for that year. He got himself to graduate high school early wow. to go play at UConn, and basically, like in a way that almost hurt his stock. For some reason, being too young to play, he didn't know what he was doing. He flat out had no idea what to do on the court most of the time and still was just grabbing rebounds at every chance he got. Um, I think it's it's pretty clear, though, that he's got real NBA talent. Well, it's funny. This would be a nice segue because this is the 2012 NBA draft. Number one, Anthony Davis. Number two, or number one, Davis, obviously AD to the Hornets. Number two, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, the Bobcats. Thank you, Michael Jordan, once again. Thanks. Thank you for the payback. <laughs> number three, Bradley Beal to the Wizards. Dion Waiters to the Cavs. Thomas, Thomas Robinson to the Kings. Uh, God, the Kings are just brutal. Uh, Damian Lillard, uh, number six to the Blazers. Harrison Barnes, number seven to the Warriors. Terrence Ross. Eight to the Raptors, nine Drummond to the Pistons, and ten Mr. Austin Rivers to uh, the Hornets. The reason I bring this draft up is uh, Bradley Bill. This draft class was eligible for an extension. Uh, I, I think what was it midnight the other day? I forget the actual yeah. day uh, where they could re up. What we've seen, we saw Anthony Davis uh, go for the extension. Uh, Lillard got his money. Harrison Barnes passed. Looks like Beal and Wizards are gonna wait it out. Uh, waiters did not get any money. I don't know what they what did they do with Drummond. Maybe how about this? You just go through uh, what you've seen of this this whole thing because this is very relevant, right? I mean, these guys are eligible. This is when they can get the mo- big money, or they can wait uh, at the end of the year and then maybe get even a little bit more uh, money, get that extra year depending on their current situation. Uh, and with the, the 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 money bumping up, I think the Wizards. And Beal, personally, I think they, they both made a wise business decision for both ends. How did you see it? How did you see this whole market playing out with all these players, uh, maybe speak individually or as a whole? So it's, it's a very interesting thing. And actually, it affects the Wizards in a lot of ways. Because Bradley Beal did not – they're going to give Bradley Beal a max extension. Um, my guy Sean Devaney from Sporting News just reported earlier this week or, or at the end of last week Everyone in the Wizards organization knows Bradley Beal is going to get a max deal next offseason. Unless he has another injury where that might lower his stock a little bit, that's going to happen. But because of the way the salary cap works, Beal not taking the extension this offseason means, number one, he can get a five-year deal instead of a four next year. And number two, he can, he can potentially help the team a lot because he's opening up about nine or ten million extra in salary cap space by not taking the deal this summer. So that's what Bradley Beal did. He sacrificed for the team and said, "You guys are going to give me probably a five-year max contract or a five-year very close to max contract next year." And that's fine because he's been great this year, as you guys know well. So. The end result of that, though, is interesting because so many of these 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 players who will be restricted free agents next year decided not to sign extensions. Uh, like you said, Barnes did not, and he's going to be a very, very interesting one. And um, certainly there's going to be interest in both of the Rockets' power forwards, Terrence Jones and Donatus Motiunas. 
Uh, they Neither of them signed extensions, and their value is kind of interesting because they split playing time, but they're both very efficient and good. So they could have some, some potential interesting value. And obviously all of this has to do with Kevin Durant. Um, we'll, I'm sure we'll have a full segment on that. Yes. But basically what Wizards fans need to know is do not freak out. You're not going to lose Bradley Beal. He's a restricted free agent. He wants to stay in D.C. It's going to happen next offseason. They, they all made the smart move. It's going to allow a lot more spending money for whoever the Wizards pursue, which includes potentially – they, the Wizards could be a team that go at, go after Harrison Barnes and have a pretty unique, interesting forward pairing of Barnes and Otto Porter. Or the Wizards could be the team that goes after Terrence Jones or Donatus Mosunis because they need some size. If, I mean, if, I mean, if, Terrence you know, Jones is a Kentucky guy, too. So. And out, those are good backup options that they could then throw a lot of money at those guys in restricted free agency and still help their team, all because Bradley Beal was willing to sacrifice. How does this stuff work down? Is it kind of one of these like wink, wink deals? Like, hey, <laughs> I'm no one's ever going to go on the record and say this, but what have you heard from behind the scenes of how this stuff kind of plays out? Where, hey, we're going to give you the money later, but we can't really put it in because it's better for you and better for us. Yeah. But we can't put that in writing, and we can't really do they. Right. How did it's, it's backfired? It has. Yes, uh, right. Th- there was a Carlos Boozer thing situation yes. where the Cavs. And Boozer agreed to hold off on an extension blind way guy. back in the day. Yeah, and Gordon Gun, Gordon Gun, Gordon Gun. Gordon Gun. I think he was a blind guy too. I think Boozer ripped off a blind guy, but went to the Jazz, right? Yeah, and he took <laughs> the Jazz offered him a lot more money, so he went to the Jazz, uh, and that isn't possible. With, with, the nice part for the Wizards is that's not possible now. No, Beal and his agent and um, you know Ernie, they absolutely are allowed by the NBA to sit down and say, it doesn't make sense for either of us to sign an extension right now. They can't do a handshake deal where they formally, they can't formally write out that there will be a max contract signed next year, but they can all but formally do that. And and that's what they've done. They've, and it's the only thing that makes sense for them to do. They, they have, they have to do something in free agency next year. They need another big man or another forward of some type, and that's got to be a priority. And they, by, by Beal doing this, he's letting them have the money to actually get a really good player to help with that process. And I actually kind of like the idea of them going after a big man like Al Horford yes, uh, I, just as much as I like any other idea. No, I think that that's, that's the name. I know Kyle Weedai has mentioned that as well. We've kind of, you know, with everybody putting the whole Durant hoopla of number one, you know, what is plan B? What is the fallback? You know, who are the, they're going to have all this money. If Kevin Rath can make a decision for Kevin Durant, right? I mean, the Wizards still have to get players. They still want to, they still have two young, sensational players along with Otto, you know, Kelly Oubre to a lesser extent. They got a young nucleus they're building. Like, how are they going to try to win the next three to five years if Durant decides to go somewhere else or stay in OKC? And, and I think that Horford is one that actually comes to the list. You've, you've mentioned a couple. I think Taron Jones with the Kentucky connection with Wall could be interesting, maybe with the stretch four, athletic-ish kind of stretch four. I don't know how good he is at three-pointers. Uh, I don't know how his stats offhand, but definitely could, could play something better than the role that we've seen out of Humphreys and uh, Drew Gooden, the, the drizzle that you mentioned earlier. Uh, he was basically on his last, last legs. You would like to see them get a little younger, 
uh, more, maybe even more athletic with a Harrison Barnes. Uh, that'd be a very interesting if they would go with a Harrison Barnes Beal, which I think would be pretty hilarious. That those are the two, those are two people that Wizards were trying to pick uh, in the 2012 draft, and they both end in the same team. But going back to Bradley Beal of his season, because because I think I think that you mentioned and is correct is is the injury thing. You know, he's been injured here and there, never any really major major injuries, but a lot of like little ones nicked, nicked here and there. And he's also he's also avoided a lot of injury scares which is even more bizarre for someone that uh, is so young. Currently, he's averaging 25 points a game in four games, sixth in the league. He's shooting only 47% from the field, but 46% from three-pointers. But he is only attempting uh, four free throws. Uh, So there is uh, four free throws a game, so there is room for improvement. Had the game winner the other night against the Spurs. What did you see on that game-winning shot and just – you know, kind of. You've mentioned Bradley Beal sensational, but what have you said? You've always liked Bradley. What have you seen him taking, taking his game to maybe to the next level? It always has been about health, but with 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 Pierce's loss loss and the narrative and the big shots, and I've seen a more aggressive Beal. And you've you've been around this team for uh, you know been around some of Bradley Beal's uh, career, especially in DC around him. What have you seen from him this season and just his game overall? I mean, the obvious thing. The obvious thing is that he's taking three-pointers at a much higher rate this year, and that's it's about time because he's been one of the best three-pointers since he came in. Shooter, shooters, basically not since he – if you remember his rookie year, he was terrible at first, and then Wall came back, and suddenly Bradley Beal knew how to shoot threes again. So basically whenever he's with John Wall, he's one of the two or three best three-point shooters, natural three-point shooters in the league. Um, and – He's really relying on that now, which is good because that's the what, what he should be doing. He's only taking seven a game now. Could easily see him upping that to nine a game at some point. With that said, the big thing to me was last year, and I talked to Bradley about what Paul Pierce was doing for him and what Paul Pierce meant to him. And basically it was Paul Pierce is maybe the most confident person in the NBA and he told Bradley Beal, look, you're better than me at this, at least me at this point. I need you to be as confident as I am. And granted, in the biggest moments, yes, the the most memorable shots of the Wizards season last year did go to Paul Pierce, but Beal's ready to do that now, and he showed that. And that's that's what that Spurs game winner was all about, was Bradley Beal taking a shot that Paul Pierce would have taken last year and making it and having just no problem with it and making a nice dribble move to free himself up and hitting the three. And that's, that's everything that the wizards, I think wizards fans want to see is a very confident scorer. John wall is the star of the team. Bradley Beal is the guy who puts the ball in the basket. And I think that's the best possible uh, situation for the wizards right now. Thanks for the reminder of the uh, four and twenty-eight start uh, in 2012 with Bradley Beal and Jordan Jordan Crawford at the point when Wall was injured. Uh, you, know, you know what's really funny about that that season is that is that Wall comes back, but the game before Wall comes back was a home game against the Thunder, and Bradley Beal hit a game winner on a on a leaner kind of bounced in, and it's funny to see like how now the Wizards are now they're a good team. Thunder are coming back here on Tuesday, and then Beal hits a game winner against the Spurs uh, the previous week. I, I find that that funny, funny timing. And I think that to 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 piggyback on your point is that we saw last year Beal, you know, talking shit against the Raptors, 
going after. Uh, he really wanted to d up on Corver in their series. He really took pride in his defense. Talked, got in a, you know, get him and T got into it a little skirmish. I mean, we saw things that we never actually seen about about him, and even to a lesser extent. You know, Otto really kind of woke some aggressiveness, and Beal has carried it over after the Bucks. He said, "You know, I'm no one can stop me. I'm the best. Uh, you know, I'm the, no, I don't think anyone can yeah. guard me." I, after he hit that game winner, he said, "You know, he was in the in the huddle and he told Gortat to chill out. That we got this. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take this." And and a lot of that isn't cliche. Like I think it. I've seen a difference. You know. You know what yeah. I mean? Like sometimes you can say like, "Oh, you." You're a veteran leader. You are this and that. Sometimes it's kind of hollow talking points, but I think that we've actually seen some credibility of this of this backing up. To go to what you say, but but this this team still revolves around one player, and is the all star shooting all star point guard, Mr. John Wall, Jonathan Hildred Jr. Wall. I need your take on John Wall because he 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 is what makes this whole franchise go. The other night, Popovich for the Spurs was just was was heaping him with praise about how he controlled the game, even though he had kind of had a poor shooting game, but still was able to dominate, uh, dominate the game with his defense and uh, finding guys on the offensive end. I think he scored 13, but he did score 13 points in the, in the fourth quarter, John wall from his development. And is there a next level for John wall? Because me and Kyle have kind of talked about when, when people preseason on this podcast and, People want to talk about, you know, can Porter make the next jump? And that's still relevant. Can Nene stay healthy? Can Gortat stay healthy? Can these new acquisitions, you know, mesh in the second unit? But to us, it really was, can Beal and Wall, is there a next level for both of them? We, we thought Beal there was, and he needed to do certain things. Health was one of them. But is there a next level for John Wall? Or is John Wall just going to reach his level and just going to do his John Wall things, block shots and go nuts? What do you see of John Wall's game, I guess? Wall, Wall is Wall's 26, 25, I'm sorry. He's 25, he's at the age, he's played enough NBA years, he's not going to add things to his game um, for the most part. He might add a post game, he might, you know, he already shoots threes, he's not the greatest three-point shooter, but he doesn't need to add that to his game. What he needs to do now, what every great NBA player does in their mid-20s and late-20s, is figure out how to be more efficient, and that's... That's the clear cut, no questions asked. How does John Wall improve himself? Well, for one, he cuts down on those turnovers. Two, he cuts down on those missed shots and starts making a higher percentage of his threes. You look at, you know, Chris Paul. Chris Paul is a model of efficiency. John Wall is a very, very good player who changes every defense and, you know, can run through and has physical talents that very, very few point guards have. He's, he's learned how to use those. Now he needs to learn how to be efficient within those talents. Um, I think I think there is an absolute chance that we see a John Wall who's shooting something more like 48% from the field and 36% from three if he wants that to be his game. And Beal emerging has been a, is going to be a big help on that because it means that John doesn't feel like he needs to look for his shot as often. But... The other thing is, for Walt to, to, to maximize that efficiency, they still need a third scorer. They still need, and it's not Porter. It's it's unfortunately it's not Porter. It's probably going to be a guy they bring in next season, who's going to be the guy who allows John Wall to really focus on passing and focus on efficiency. And that's uh, that's probably his next step. And I don't know if he makes that step this year as much as 
moving forward and once they figure out what they're going to do with all that salary cap space that they have uh, for next offseason. What have you seen with, you know, you, you, you mentioned it briefly earlier and we kind of discussed how maybe, you know, Gooden and, 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 and Humphreys are, you know, not playing as well at the stretch four. But how about the philosophy change of Randy Whitman? I mean, you know, as a blogger of this team, everyone that's listened to this, we've been harping and harping on the same things. You saw it last year in the playoffs. There still is a national conversation against Randy Whitman for, you know, like you mentioned with Bradley Bill, where, you know, they were really good shooting threes, but they didn't shoot them enough. And they shot more long twos than anyone, but they still shot them at the worst rate than anyone in the league. You have the New York Times writing that. You had Deadspin, you know, Vice. Uh, there was a lot of national pundits that basically, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Randy Whitman goes small. And now he's trying to, in the playoffs, have success. And now he's really trying to change this mindset now i'm a little upset now at chris humphreys i don't think it's randy whitman's fault that chris humphreys isn't shooting open threes and dribble driving and shooting 20 footers and drew gooden is one day looking okay the other day i don't know he looks like a spaz out there i don't know what the hell he's doing so i don't know how much they and you know they're kind of missing maybe an alan anderson maybe you know uh dudley dudley i think is what they see as long term at the forward he played pretty well against the spurs he definitely is still limited with his you know coming off a of back surgery what have you seen of the philosophy change of the Wizards? Obviously, small sample size. Once again, we'll keep mentioning that. From a, do you see that that's where they should should have gone? Is it finally, you know, I call it blogger ball, Whitman ball. It, you know, they finally have embraced this. Uh, you know, even Beal is talking about efficiency. Whitman's even bringing up, you know, advanced statistics in, in press conferences, which just still blows my mind. Uh, the small ball, I mean, is this where the Wizards should go? I mean, this is where the league is going. And, and, and do you buy that Randy Whitman will stay with us? Because there's some people that don't. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a story. Yes, give which, it to me. Uh, one day, one day I'm at a Wizards pregame interview availability with Whitman, and you know how it is. You're you're, you're everyone's <laughs> kind of crowded around. There's like five cameras. It's not the best place to to ask a question anyway. But I don't remember who the opponent was, but the opposing team was averaging about four possessions less per game than they had the previous year. Uh, so I asked Randy, what do you think about them playing slower? And I didn't want to mention advanced statistics because this is two years ago, and this is oh, yes. when Randy was as opposed to the use of advanced statistics as anyone could be. But he looks, he goes, I sure as hell don't see them playing any slower. <laughs> <laughs> and so I responded, well, they're playing, they, they're averaging four possessions a game less. less. And, and he goes, I don't know what your numbers have to tell you, but I sure haven't seen them playing any slower. And that was the end of the conversation. That was it. And I think he might have even cut off questions at that point, just because I had mentioned a pace statistic. <laughs> So, <laughs> and now he's mentioning these in his answers, dude. Like unannounced. That's where I'm coming from on what I, uh, uh, my thoughts are on Randy Whitman, which is it's very interesting to see his comments this year. And one of the funny things is uh, Jorge Castillo for the Washington Post wrote a illuminating profile on why Whitman is making the changes he's making. And what it seems like to me is. The changes weren't really Randy Whitman. They were Ernie Grunfeld and the front office. Ernie gave Randy a roster that could not play the same way they had. By losing Seraphim and bringing in Anderson and Dudley and saying, and, you know, Porter's clear-cut emergence, 
the Wizards didn't have a choice to play the way they like to play in years past. There's no way that Nene could have started this year because then who's the backup for Gortat? So in a way, I almost feel like Ernie Grunfeld kind of tricked Randy Whitman mm-hmm. into into playing to his his roster, which is, I, it should be noted, a good coach always coaches to his roster. Coaches, most coaches do not get to decide who's on their roster. Randy Whitman was handed a roster, and he cha- he adjusted his coaching style to fit that roster. And that is what a coach should do. And it's great that Randy Whitman has been willing to do that. Do I, do I believe that Randy Whitman necessarily is looking at points per possession? Do I think that there's a chance that he is telling Chris Humphreys to take those couple dribbles up and, and take a mid-range shot? I really do think that there's a chance that because I know Randy's philosophy on those things. With that said, it was good that Beal seemed – it seems like Beal has straight up made a personal objective to taking more threes. And that that's – you know that's a player making a decision that's going to help him in the long term and help the team in the long term. Um, so the 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 short answer is I believe Randy Whitman has done a good job adjusting his personal strategies to fit this roster, and I believe the roster was put together with a more modern style of basketball in play, and as a result, the Wizards are benefiting, and that's a good thing. That's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're complimenting, uh, you know, whip whip ball, blogger ball. I, I think that what we've seen. I mean, currently, let's just get this. Let's let's bring in some statistics. Currently, the Wizards are 14th in the league in offensive efficiency, and they're 18th in defensive efficiency. Uh, I don't really want to make too much into the numbers so far. I mean, I definitely think that there's going to be an adjustment. It, it was weird to see the opening day against the Magic how they basically kind of grinded out a defensive victory. And then against the Knicks, they kind of lose, lost because they didn't play any defense. Uh, the Spurs, they kind of won because they forced a lot of turnovers and made some big shots down, down the stretch. So, And then the Bucks, they kind of blew them out, and this blogger ball style worked for them. So it's hard to say like what is really, really happening yet. I think they're going to need some, some weeks. But it is, to me, especially in that Spurs game, it's really troubling right now it, that they – they need either Allen Anderson to come back so they can play Porter at the four and Anderson at the four. They need Dudley to really get his back healthy soon because right now uh, Humphreys and Gooden just are not doing it. I think Humphreys is thinking too much out there. You know, he's like, I've always just kind of banged and done this. And he's okay to shoot those threes, but he really still has these instincts to, to – I mean, Humphreys should not be dribble driving at all. Like, shoot the three or go in for an offensive rebound. Like, there's nothing else that he should be doing. And you even kind of see, you know, Beal has been better. But even Beal against the Spurs, he also wants to get more to the free throw line. Beal had no free throw attempts against the Spurs. So, you know, there is – I'm not going to nitpick because, you know, I hit the game winner against, you know, a really good team. So, um, but, but for him to – Still trying to get this long twos out of a system. Still kind of get to, you know, I want to be aggressive, get to the line more. You know, there's still a work in progress on that. I don't know when we can really evaluate this, but they definitely are trying to do it. And that's the thing that me and Kyle always trying to reemphasize. And I think that that's what brings followers and fans of this team, that they're really trying to do it. And really what pissed me off about that profile that you're talking about with Jorge is that I asked Randy Whitman the same questions at a press conference, at a press availability. Me and Jorge, and he did not answer my questions. I basically was like, "When did you, 
when did you come to, to change your thing? Oh, I don't know. We've always played this way. We always play this way. What are you talking about? We always play this way. And then you he goes out. He goes to Jorge and he's having beers in his office and he's he's spilling the gospel about when they decided to go play that way. It's like, and damn that, you, man. That's an important sort of lesson that you know you, you there are certain types of people who simply do not handle press conferences and media scrums well. Mm-hmm. And Randy Whitman is clearly a guy who does not like the media scrum press conference realm. But has been, you know, throughout his career, has been fine if you approach him one on one, and it's just a matter of will he give you the time? Well, yeah, <laughs> he's more likely to give the Washington Post time. So, <laughs> and, and the so, thing is, is that you know, it, this, I understand your frustration, and I, I oh, I know, that. I know. I mean, sometimes when I ask the question, and then you know, they use my answer, and I know the game. You know, it's just frustrating to be like, yo, I asked you those two questions, and you gave me some bullshit answers, and now all of a sudden I wrote up in the Washington Post, and my questions are literally being answered in this articulate way. But it wasn't even before a game. It was after a practice where there was just, like, me and two other people. So I felt like that was a good time to get them on some stuff. Yeah, and, sure, and, sure. and like, No, no, and, and, and that's fine. Guy. Oh, oh, yeah, no, this is barely, I mean, <laughs> I'll go months without asking a question if you want to know for the truth. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm like, especially before games, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't give much. And after games, once in a while, that's how there's some angle, because sometimes they'll just be like, I don't know what you're talking about, or I don't know where you get your numbers, like you just said, right? <laughs> but but speaking of time, we've ran long, so let's, let's uh, get this wrapped up. But before we wrap up, like I said, uh, he comes again for the final time after this hype, Mr. Uh, Kevin Durant, Seat Pleasant, Maryland. Uh, Mr. DMV, one of the most beloved uh, guys in the area uh, I have ever seen from an athlete standpoint. Loves the city, relatives all over. Finally, this two year hype, maybe. Gosh, are we on two to three years now? This KDDCC. I, I feel like I banned anything from talking about it last year, and then I was allowed to talk about it before the games. This year, I've just been talking about it nonstop. <laughs> so finally, just I'm just it just it just has. Uh, the water, I'm just fighting the, the wave as I finally uh, succumbed to, to the pressure. But I have to talk about it. It's on Tuesday night. It is kind of one of the stories, uh, the many stories of the season. Not as much as the decision with LeBron James and all that. And even maybe even LeBron going back to Cl- Cleveland. I, what, what do you, before we get into KD's uh, coming back on Tuesday, just the KD, the free, let's just talk about KD's free agency and the media's coverage, what you've seen from a national standpoint. Before we get into uh, the final point, I want to say how it relates to the Wizards. Well, I think there's been, you know, there, first of all, let's be clear. Kevin Durant hasn't made a decision yet. Kevin Durant wouldn't tell us if he made a decision Kevin Durant keeps a pretty small inside circle, unlike some players. And so every rumor you hear, you need to recognize that that's not necessarily coming from Durant's camp as much as league insiders who know, you know, various things about the situation, but they don't have the actual inside info. With that said, it's wide open. It is so open. It's There's so many teams with compelling cases that if you add Kevin Durant to them, they can win a championship right away because he's a great, great player and because he's a very unique player who would fit a lot of teams' needs. The Wizards are one of those. So the Wizards happen to have that home field, that hometown advantage. 
the Wizards have a great point guard who who would certainly be able to replicate a lot of what Russell Westbrook does that Durant likes without stepping on his toes in terms of scoring. Um, the Wizards have a great second best player in, in Bradley Beal. The Wizards don't have the ideal front court, so if that's an important factor and Durant doesn't want to play the four, you know that could that could negatively impact him. But I think when you look at the way the media is covering it, it's it's uh, it's mostly pretty much just trying to sort through what's going on around the league and what people are saying. But it's not coming from Durant, um, and I wouldn't put too much stock in any, you know, Stephen A. Smith fighting him. source story, basically, right now. I think Ken Berger had a story the other day. I believe that was, you know, unnamed source says that Durant basically still might consider DC. <laughs> like, and what's funny about that is that story. That was not a story about that. That was a story about Beal not taking the extension. Really? And one sentence in it saying that, Dur- yes, Dur- yes, my sources are telling me that Durant is still strongly considering D.C. And so then I see a Bleacher Report headline in the, Ke- in the, Kevin, Dur- exactly in the Kevin Durant photo, and then there's shared all over the Facebook. And since I have Wizards saying it's all over anywhere I go, it, that article, yes. right? Wow. That's see, I, I didn't even see that part. Yeah, that's. That's the thing, is, and that's what's going to happen. And, you know, it happens all the time where a guy mentioned a, – a, a major reporter mentions something in a radio show or on a podcast or – Do you want to uh, make some news right now? Do you want to make some news? We, get, we can get this podcast <laughs> going. Gonna, <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you've got to look at the context. If, if Ken Berger, a guy like Ken with a great reputation as a reporter, came out and wrote a story with the headline that Kevin Durant was strongly considering – and the whole story is about Kevin Durant strongly considering DC. I'd feel a lot more like Ken must have had something really, really yeah. unusually good on this, or he wouldn't have written the whole story about it. But when he just sort of offhandedly mentions it in a story about something else, it feels a little different to me. And 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 so that's if if, if you're a Wizards fan and you're trying to read all these tea leaves, find the original source and put the 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 report in context every time. Well, let's talk to Wizards fans. What percent? You know, we're we're a percentage uh, world. Uh, what? Before I get into the percentage question, this is one. Is there anyone but the Wizards and the Thunder? I mean, is there legitimately? If you're Kevin Durant's advisor, I mean, I think that now that with the salary cap, I mean, you're gonna have all these teams are gonna be, you know, realistic. Like, like technically, can have a shot, right? But let's yeah. be realistic. Is there anyone aside from the Thunder and the Wizards involved in this? Yes. Who there really is. There you, really the is Heat? The Lakers? There really is the Heat. There really is the Mavericks. And every one of those teams has something that they can offer Kevin that other teams can't offer him. So you think the Knicks, so you, you think, I see, to me, I think the Knicks and the Lakers are just more formality, but you think that maybe there is. The Lakers in particular, look, Kevin Durant loves Kobe Bryant. They have gotten along for years. Kevin has stuck up for Kobe in recent years. If Kobe says, I'll come back on a small contract and play a very supporting role to you, and these young guys, then this is a big part for the Lakers in particular, if they're young guys, if D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle, if they play pretty well and Durant feels like he can go there and actually have a foundation to build on, sure, he could go to the Lakers. I'm not saying he will. 
I'm not saying that they should they should be put above the Wizards. I'm not going to give any you know indication that I have real inside knowledge, but you know I've talked to people myself and. I don't get the feeling that the Lakers, the Knicks, the the Heat, the Mavs, all the other teams that have real pitches to him, I don't get the feeling that they're pretenders, per se, as much as just maybe outside shots. So do you think they're... How about this? Let's not do percentage. Let's do tiers. The Thunder's number one tier, the Wizards two, and then all these other ones three? One A, one B, one C, maybe? Sure, sure. And, you know, I think, you know, some of them, some of them have really strong pitches like the I, I i know personally if pat riley was pitching me on playing for the heat i'd have some questions about the age of my co-stars but on the other hand pat riley has made a major he moves mountains when he wants to so you also kind of know if you play for pat riley there can be good things that happen because you chose that path so meanwhile if you play for mark cuban the Mavs treat their the players love playing for Dallas. Uh, he, he, you know, they get the best amenities, they get unbelievable facilities, they get loyalty. He's very loyal to everyone but Tyson Chandler for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so a lot of guys like playing for the Mavs. Um, it's it's there's there's all these forces that could attract Kevin Durant. It'll be really interesting to see what he puts as his number one value. Because for all we know, he could choose to play for the Hawks and just end worlds. Because that would be scary. Imagine just throwing hit, just throwing Kevin Durant onto that Hawks roster. Just imagine that. <laughs> well, you know, Wizards fans don't want to imagine that because we want to imagine yeah. him playing at uh, 601 uh, F Street Northwest. Oh, wait, <laughs> do, do, going going to let's just start with the Thunder because obviously I think that this this begins with the Thunder, right? Like, so what is your stance or maybe your arguments on both sides of it? If the Thunder do really good and he wins a title, does he stay? If the Thunder do really bad, does he leave? Like, where is it? Is it? Does that is that irrelevant? Like, where's your take in the sense of how this year plays out with Billy Donovan? Because it seems to me that the Thunder firing Brooks, uh, you know, matching Cantor, you know, putting that it was one last call to go into KD, and and I know that KD maybe you know they've been snake bitten the last two or three years. Does it, you know he's still got this foot foot issue? And maybe we're overlooking that a little bit. I think he looks pretty good this season so far. Is does he stay with Russ? I mean, how much does Russ come into this? I mean, where do you fall in like the Thunder's success this season, determining whether or not he stays or goes? Because I don't know if the I don't know if how much that played a role in LeBron either. I think it played. It's bizarre. I think it played a role in LeBron leaving Miami to go to Cleveland. I think maybe it played a role in him leaving Cleveland originally and going to the Heat. It's kind of worked both ways. Yeah, and you know, I I read. I can't remember where. I'm trying. I'm trying to rack my brain. I prefer giving real credit, but I'll just say I read somewhere the the idea of Kevin Durant signing a one-year contract so that he and Russ could play one more year together and then both of them hit the free agency market and make a decision on either either continuing to play together or going their separate ways. But probably in that case, if they were to go their separate ways, they'd probably both be leaving Oklahoma City, which would be scarier for the Thunder. With that said, you know a one-year contract holds its risks because of that foot injury. So 
does Kevin Durant want to risk, you know, potentially missing a, a whole season and, and worrying whether he's going to get a max contract? I don't know. The The big thing to me is, and Matt Moore wrote a, a really strong article on the value of playing with Russell, which is Kevin doesn't feel like he has to run the show, be the guy every night. You know, he had a game against the Nuggets where he took 11 shots. And he scored 25 points on those 11 shots because if you only, if you're Kevin Durant and you're only taking 11 shots, they're going to be really efficient. But then he had last night against the Bulls, he took 29 shots and he scored 33 points. He's going to have nights like that of all kinds as long as he plays with Russ because it gives him the the ability to sort of take a night and not be not take a night off. But if Russ is feeling it he can just be a really efficient perimeter, you know, spot-up shooter almost. And then other nights, if he's feeling it, he can carry the load. And I think, I'm sure Kevin Durant, whether he fully knows it or not, really appreciates that. And if he leaves the Thunder and he leaves playing with one of the five best scorers in the league, he's going to realize that he misses it, regardless of how good his new team is. So, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, John Wall. I mean, are they a title contender immediately? Like, if we just traded Durant to the Wizards right now? Yes. I think they'd be very good. I think they're going to have... Can they beat the Warriors? They're going to need to also address the back of center issue because then they will be a free agent. Um, they need... They, they, do, they, they just simply don't have a good... They haven't produced a good young big man, really, uh... You know, and I, I guess if you want to count Andre Blotch or JaVale McGee, but I don't. So developing a big man would be really nice. They don't have anyone on the on the roster who looks like that kind of player, so they're going to have to go out and find one. Um, that's where I see their other flaw, and that's where even if they add Durant, they could have some problems inside. Um, other than that, absolutely. let me put it this way. There are no more than five teams in the league that – could add Kevin Durant and not be considered a title contender. <laughs> the Sixers, maybe? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're talking like the, the Sixers, maybe the Nets, the way they're playing right now. But very few teams could add Kevin Durant and not be a title contender. Boston, maybe? I don't know. You're right. I, I can't think of, like, going down the list. Maybe Orlando, but still. Yeah, I mean, it seems like... <laughs> <laughs> the Knicks? I don't know. So, so to finish... One last point on Durant. So the other thing, you know, when people talk about KD coming back to D.C. and and the narrative is is playing with his friends and family, there always seems to be a strong counter-argument. And I don't know if it's contrarian for contrarian's sake, but people saying, why do you want to play by your friends and family? And and, and to me, it's always bizarre. It almost sometimes has become a... A back, it's like we've ran out of stuff to talk about or say. So now people are like, all right, I got a, I got a hot take. I got a contrarian take. Hey, you just kind of don't want to get 50, 60 tickets every night. And, and, and yeah, maybe that's true or not. But then you're kind of taking away, well, so I guess you don't like your home, even though you live here in the off season. <laughs> and, like, who doesn't want to play live by home? I, I don't know. It's Yeah, maybe there's pitfalls on anything else to where you live. Yeah, it's cooler to live by the beach and it's cooler to live there. I mean, I do think that his mom and his brother and his grandma, I think that those are the three most important people in his life. And I don't think they want to live in Oklahoma. <laughs> and I know exactly where they want to live. And it's not Santa Monica. Uh, I think it is uh, the DMV. It's so whether or not that plays into his, uh, I don't know how much that plays a role, but I know it has to play a role. 
how much where do you fall in the line of playing around your friends and family and home and how much is that just a backtrack or how much is that legitimate that maybe stars do or is that just a narrative push because of LeBron and, and what is happening with him in Cleveland? Well, I know, you know you've got to factor in Durant. Durant did not consider any of the D.C. area schools serious when he was picking Texas. So he, if you know, I'm not going to go into a backstory here, but if you know much about the D.C. AAU uh, circuit, yes, yes, I do. the Curtis Malone era, yes, you know, there was a lot of really bad things going on with youth basketball when Durant was growing up in that area. And that could factor in, you know, he may not have always loved playing basketball in the D.C. area, even if he loves the D.C. area, because there were some negative influences there around him. With that said, I don't know that for sure. That is me speculating. Um, this is not a thing that you should make a headline on some website. Yes. <laughs> Chris Malone's in prison for laundering uh, drugs as well, so uh, keep going. <laughs> Well, I mean, in all honesty, guys do like getting away. Some guys do not necessarily want to play in their hometowns. I've talked to players about that. And, you know, some guys find that they absolutely love a new city. I I do agree that there is appeal to playing at home. And I also agree that Durant has kind of attached himself to his old hometown a whole lot more than, say, even Dwayne Wade has. You don't see Dwayne Wade wearing Bears jerseys into into uh, you know American Airlines Arena. The way Duran is at Redskins Giants games, right? Like on the yeah, sidelines right. in New York. You don't, you like don't see that, and so I think uh, that's a factor. It certainly is. Durant does seem more attached to DC, and um, you know, you, you were going to ask me about the percentage game, and yes. If I if I'm completely spitballing it with you know just this is way too early to tell and he hasn't made a decision, I'd say there's at least a twenty percent chance he goes to DC, and it could be much higher than that for all I know. And, and you know maybe he has made a decision for all we know. We're not going to know until Kevin Durant wants us to know, and that's that's the uh, ultimate truth of the KD to DC uh, bandwagon. That that is the truth about it. I believe is a good segue uh, <laughs> in, in, in that one. But 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 what's speculation? I mean, how are we gonna how are we gonna get people to read our stuff? And it's the safe source headlines and listen to podcasts uh, with nuance. But but I think I I my my take is seventy five twenty five uh, Thunder to Wizards uh, coming up and down. I I don't believe there's anyone uh, really seriously involved. But once again, that is pure speculation. No, no sources, no anything. Uh, and you know, there's some optimism. But the fans, the thing about this, it was always said, is that I didn't want to address it because it was two or three years away. But I'm not going to tell fans not to have fun with this, right? But I also, but I also don't want to be like, oh, every, we're all in on Kevin Durant. And this team, like we've said, is somehow screwed without him because the way with Wall and Beal playing, it's like. Man, enjoy this team. I mean, this yes. is not Javel McGee, not Andre Blotch. This, I hate how we sometimes in this era we're just we're just we're just focused on what we don't have in the future instead of sometimes just enjoying what we have in the present. Instead of focusing on oh, if we get this, it'll be awesome. And I get it; it's barbershop kind of talk, and and that's what fuels you know speculation and innuendo and and gets people talking about things. But sometimes I don't think we, if we cherish or appreciate uh, the good basketball product that the Wizards uh, are, are producing right now. Any, any last words or anything that you want to tell the people before we get out of here? I've already taken too much of your time, my man. 
Uh, tell tell people what you got going, where they can find you, what kind of work you uh, got coming up. Maybe preview some pieces. Yeah, I got um right now in sportingnews.com. We've got a, a, a bunch. We've got a bunch of really good stories. We got a story about the Bucks who we talked about earlier and, how, and why their defense is falling apart. Uh, we got a story on the Hornets' weird decision on to not extend an offer to PJ Harrison. So plenty of good stuff. Um, we've got. We're going to send a writer to to DC for uh, the Thunder game, and and that's that's exciting. So keep an eye out for that. And I think we. Uh, we try to produce things worth reading, and you can find them at, at SNNBA with an underscore between SN and NBA on Twitter. You can follow me at Adi Joseph. That's all one word, A-D-I-J-O-S-E-P-H. So thank you for having me on. And uh, my only other thing is, Adam, you were right. Like, Enjoy this team instead of only thinking about next year's team because this team is good, very good. Thank you so much. There's uh, Adi Joseph. Uh, he's with Sporting News. Uh, lived in the D.C. area, so uh, make sure to hit him up. I appreciate your help. And uh, we got another, we're going to have another podcast before the Thunder game. Mr. Uh, Jake Whitaker of Bulls Forever has agreed to come on with his KD to D.C. stuff. So look for that coming out. Basically also go to truthaboutit.net for everything. And uh, peace out. Go Wiz.